there, friends. I'm Stephanie Donovan. And I'm Sarah Malloy. And if you're a mom who likes psychology, intuitive development, crystals, spirits... Wait, ghosts? Did you mean ghosts? Well, yes, sometimes. Come along with me and my bestie as we explore a new topic of self-development, magic, and yes, even the paranormal each week. But don't worry, we're not experts. No, but we are fascinated by this stuff and we'll walk through it right along with you. Bringing you practical woo since 2022, we'll cover everything from momming to the mystical. Because we're multidimensional. And you are too. Welcome to Multidimensional Mom. Welcome back. Welcome listeners. I have a great and timely episode for you today. Carrie Summers is a licensed clinical social worker specializing in support of those who struggle with feelings of anxiety, overthinking, not belonging, and being judged, overlooked, and undervalued. She knows the feeling of not quite fitting in or feeling just overcome by your own drive to do it all. A fellow empath, Carrie understands those feelings of overwhelm and isolation and helps her clients to challenge them with the proper tools and perspective to make a shift for the better. Professionally, she has a master's in social work as well as an ADHD specialization. She's also a new mom, so you can bet she gets it. We knew Carrie was the perfect person to have on today, and so I want to welcome her to the podcast. Carrie, welcome to Multidimensional Mom. We are thrilled to have you. Hi, I'm so happy to be here too. I was so excited when you reached out. I've been following along a little bit, so I'm spiritual, a, a spiritual being myself. Yes. So when you asked, I was like, yes, perfect. Yes. Perfect fit. And I've heard you say that, like, I'm a big believer in energy. And I love when people say that because I'm like, oh, they're one of us. I know. I know what she's saying. <laughs> I found my people. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, first of all, how is motherhood treating you? Oh, motherhood is a whole roller coaster that I guess I didn't expect. And I think that that is so common that so many people say that, but I think there are just like so many expectations, so many things that we didn't even see coming. It's the most exhausting and gratifying experience I think that I have ever had. Yeah. And you're just always tired in dealing with it. It's like, you're not prepared for the war because you're just tired. I did see a TikTok trend recently that bags under your eyes are a thing and the younger kids are like pr- putting purple eyeshadow under their eyes to look like they're tired. And like, I'm here for that because I just have that naturally now. Yeah. Like what they're trying to make it happen. I've got, I mean. <laughs> I've just got that. Cool. Yeah. So you've always worked with a bunch of women clients, I suspect. You already have a strong understanding of the challenges of motherhood, but what are some of the challenges you've encountered now going through this life change yourself? Oh my gosh. Uh, Do we have like three hours? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I knew that it was going to be hard and I would have to give things up that I found were important or were part of my schedule before I became a mom, but it is so clear. And even from talking to other new moms or moms in general, how much of your identity that you give up Yeah. When you have this experience. So even like, you know, I just ordered clothes from old Navy. They were having a 50% off sale. Usually the cart would be full for me. Right. But I am deleting and removing everything in the cart for me. And it's all for her now. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Totally. Or even just functioning on lack of sleep. I was awkward before, but now I'm extra awkward with, like, (laughs) you know, interrupted sleep for the past year. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So she's like about a year old, 15 months. She's going to be 16 months in a few weeks. And the time has flown. I don't know if that's because of sleep deprivation or (laughs) if time really just does fly. Yeah. It's weird because you do become this different person and people do frame it as like, you're giving up a bunch of yourself, but it's like, we do so in a way that like, we want to do it too. It's like, no, I'm just like obsessed with this little person and this is who I am now. But then you kind of like lose yourself somewhere in the process. It's very confusing. It, it is, it is something. I don't even yeah. know what to <laughs> One thing that's always drawn me to you and your content is your personality and that like sameness that I feel when you talk about like struggling with feeling like you're overthinking everything or not quite fitting in, like something's off. And I feel that quite a bit. And I think moms feel that quite a bit. How do you find that that relates to other moms? So it's interesting, right? Because there's no real right, exactly right way to be a mom, but there are so many people that have expectations on moms or unsolicited advice. And sometimes when we're just winging it and we don't know, and we're just listening to ourselves and trying to be the best mom that we can be. And then we're getting that unsolicited advice. You know, you step back and you're like, but am I doing the right thing? And, you know, we strive so much to be the best mom, to be the best who knows what, but who, what we're even striving for. It is hard to get that unsolicited advice and to reflect on ourselves and be like, uh, is my kid going to grow up and be okay? So I think that is really hard because really all of us are chickens with our heads cut off running around (laughs) trying to, you know, right do the thing. And any book that you could buy on being a mom, it's like, okay, I can take pieces from that, but no kid is going to fit an entire book. I wish, right? Otherwise that would just be easy. And I would just be recommending that book everywhere. But yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't help that a lot of the unsolicited advice is a lot of people that have done it so long ago that now they forget how hard it was sometimes. Oh yeah. And things have changed, right? Yes, absolutely. Training and not using a blanket. And I mean, just my oldest one is eight. And he, the only way he slept was in that uh, Fisher Price sleep and play or something it was called. And now it's like forbidden. You cannot have them. You should not touch them. You can't talk about them. And I'm like, he slept in that for a good year. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? Recalled now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not really things do change. And if there's one thing I can tell moms when they talk to other moms is just never say, just wait. That's my biggest pet peeve. It's like hazing for new moms. You don't tell someone, just wait, wait until this, wait, because there's always a just wait with anything in life. Just wait until this happens. Just wait till you're married. Just wait till the first one. Just wait till the second one. Just wait till they're a teenager. Just wait, like stop just waiting. We're not threatening people with their emotion. It's so frustrating. Because it's like, wait a second, I'm barely making it through now. Like how long do I have to wait for? Yeah, (laughs) I know. I can't make it through right now. You don't need to just wait me. This holiday season, don't miss the chance to dance. Lux Dance Studio in the heart of downtown St. Charles offers private, semi-private, and small group lessons to fit your individual comfort level. 
With personal one-on-one coaching with experienced owner Debbie Weiss, you'll be twirling in no time, learning any type of dance you need a partner for, including salsa, tango, cha-cha, West Coast swing, hustle, and foxtrot. You can also get a customized choreographed dance for a wedding or special occasion. Lux is open by appointment only, so call today, mention Multidimensional Mom, and book a free introductory lesson to try it out. You can also purchase gift cards for friends and family. Visit LuxDanceStudio.com and let's dance at Lux. Okay, so we're going to move into some holiday pressures. Some, uh, a lot of moms feel very overwhelmed by the holidays. And so that was a good uh, time to have you on to talk about some of these things. So we've talked about having empath qualities, listeners, uh, episode 14, we did um, about how to protect yourself when you are an empath, very useful. We've talked about it a lot on our podcast, and we are very much in tune to energy. Um, You're an indigo aura, by the way, I've already pegged you. Um, And I know you relate to this. So what sorts of practices do you think benefit people like us who tend to overthink, overfeel, and overdo. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm all of those. And you know, the holidays are so hard because even as empaths or even as moms, we try to make the holiday season like the best season ever for our kids. We have to do all of the things, which is exhausting, buy all of the right gifts, which is exhausting. And, you know, by the end of it, it's like, did you even enjoy that yourself as a parent? Setting realistic expectations, you know, right before the holiday season, like set yourself up for success. You're going to do the best job that you possibly can. It is impossible to please everybody in your life and still be true to yourself. You don't have to get every single gift that is, you know, hot yeah. uh, on like the hot 10 on Amazon. (laughs) I've already fell victim to that with that second step tree. Okay. I don't know if anybody has seen that for like the little kids, $150. I don't need to buy that. She's not going to remember. She's only 15 months right now. Right. So setting realistic expectations or even just like planning it out. Mm -hmm. This holiday season is longer than we think that it is. So it's not a whole race. You don't have to burn yourself out. So planning little things here and planning little things there And just, you know, I like to actually get out a calendar because I think that helps you see things more realistically and, you know, actually plan for it. Like I'm going to do this on this Tuesday. I'm going to do this on this Wednesday so that you really do have time to be mindful and pick and choose when you are going to do things. Sure. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the paper calendar. I'm never, I have clients who are like, it's okay. I use Google and I am a write it down girl with my colored pens organized. So I'm never going to give that up. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. And it does help you to see it in that way. Um, As far as, you know, energy as empaths, we are giving and feeling energy all the time. So recently I just heard this and it was so true. What you give energy will grow. And that really resonated with me because I had to take a step back and be like, oh, you're right. And sometimes the emotions that we're feeling aren't even our emotions, right? right? It's like, wait a second, I'm feeling that person's frustration. If that's not even my frustration, why am I growing it? Yes, exactly. 
So, I mean, it is, it's harder, it's easier said than done. So I say this and I don't expect for it to be a perfect practice, but even knowing that about yourself to be like, okay, this emotion that I'm feeling isn't mine. What I give energy will grow just to be mindful and say that to yourself a few times. It really does help in the long run, kind of save yourself from frustration or overthinking or feeling overwhelmed. So I don't know. I thought that was good advice. I'm taking it. It's helped me a few times since then. So yeah. And a lot of those energetic things that we talk about when we get like real witchy, like the cord cutting or just like the boundaries and stuff, it all relates to that. It's like, what are, what am I connecting myself to or feeding when really I could just stop and I wouldn't have that other concern. And I like when you said expectations too, because that's the first thing I wrote down. I find, especially with all this holiday hoopla that we do, especially stuff we do with kids, that the ones that I've like built up, like we, oh, we have to do this. We have to do this. Sometimes, a lot of times, they're really not even that fun. No. But then the thing I didn't really expect that we just did because we were driving by or whatever, like those are like really precious moments. So it's like, why place expectations and build things up when it's just probably not going to turn out that way anyway. Totally. I can totally agree and can totally relate. So having just when this, when we play this Thanksgiving will just have happened. And we want to move into the idea of the holiday season and some things we can do to sort of ease our anxieties or our overwhelm. And I've heard a lot of therapists talk about the benefits of a gratitude practice but sometimes I feel like it gets overcomplicated or that maybe I just don't know enough about it to do it correctly. So can you explain what a gratitude practice is and do you advise your clients anything with that concept? So that's so funny that you say that because every time I have a client in my office, maybe not every time, but a lot of times I'll say, well, uh-huh. you know, what about practicing gratitude? And I get eyes that roll back in my client's head. And I'm so bad because they're like, oh my gosh, this gratitude thing again. I think that at the beginning, when you start to, when someone says gratitude and you start practicing gratitude, it's like anything else, it's a practice and it just gets easier. So at the beginning, it feels awkward. And then in the long run, you see the benefits of that. So sure. I like to say practicing gratitude, but I also like to say like finding glimmers right? Find okay. Makes so it a easier. glimmer is the opposite of a trigger where you're f- focusing on something good that happened. Cause I, obviously you have like a trigger and you're like, Oh, I'm feeling upset or I'm feeling wounded by that. But a glimmer would be the opposite, you know? So you're feeling super overwhelmed. The day was exhausting and you're like, wait a second, let's take a step back because I can do a, a long string of lists of all the things that went bad just because as humans were programmed to focus on the bad, unfortunately, right? So I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to stop. What went right today? Whether you call it gratitude or whether you call it a glimmer, there are things throughout the day that did go right. So I got um, five minutes to go to Starbucks and I got my favorite holiday drink, or I was able to have a peaceful morning and start my day off on the right foot. Or for me, you know, my kid did take a two and a half hour nap in the middle of the day today, and I was able to get something done. That's practicing gratitude because you're focusing on the good 
And I would also call it a glimmer too, because it's something positive that happened throughout your day. So I think there are different ways where you can practice gratitude. You know, in the morning, when you wake up, if you have a few minutes, some of us don't just based off of how our households are, right? Uh, I'm on somebody else's schedule in the morning. So <laughs> I don't always have five. You've got a boss. She wants you right there. Sure. So I don't always have five minutes in the morning because like I'm getting up and then doing whatever she wants to do. But, you know, sometimes if some people have five minutes in the morning or even less than that to think of like three things in life that they're grateful for, maybe it's, you know, family, maybe it's a call with a friend the other day. Um, just to think of a few lists, just to get, you know, the your morning started on a positive note, or maybe you're at work and you're like, okay, I'm just going to take a second. I'm going to take a deep breath. What's something that I appreciate that's going right in my life right now? Or, you know, at the end of the day, all right, it's the end of my day. What's something or what's a few things that went right today? What are some things that I appreciate about myself or what are some about how I handle the situation or just little events that happen throughout the day that we can um, chalk up as a success. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that then that shifts you just into positivity. I think people roll their eyes because they're like, oh, this again, it feels like toxic positivity. Like you're denying the problems to be like, okay, yeah, all of that really does suck. But what can you be thankful for? Like people don't want to hear that. But what you're saying is like, you just start thinking that way, little things, little glimmers. And then you're suddenly like focusing more on the positive than the negative. It doesn't mean the negative doesn't exist. It's just now you're more in a positive mind frame. Bad things are definitely going to happen throughout the day or uncomfortable things. And so we're not saying don't feel those things because if it's uncomfortable, it was uncomfortable. But the whole day in itself wasn't completely negative. There has to be just a small sliver of something where you can be like, okay, yeah, that went right. It's funny that you said triggers. I did ask our listeners to submit some questions regarding their holiday struggles and just some complications that happen with the season. So we've got a few of them here. Are you ready for that? So I'm going to try. Okay. Not that there's any right answer. It just helps to have somebody who knows the tools go through it and tell us how to look at that in a different way. Okay. So one I thought was a really good question. How can knowing or identifying our triggers be helpful or is it helpful before a family event? So that is huge. And I think that it is definitely helpful just because when we know our triggers or we know ourselves or how we may handle something, it's almost as if we can like pre-prepare. So on that topic, right, I have one tool that I have used myself that I feel is useful. You know, we have certain people, even in our families or in our social life that just like always know what questions not to ask or the things not to say. And then you're left so irritated. Like, why would that person say that? So here is my skill and my tip for that is these people are usually predictable before the event, go through and write down the things that may possibly happen or the things that people may say, or the questions people may ask and write down your responses or how you want to respond or how you would handle that situation and like keep it in a purse or a bag, right? Kind of as a script, like, okay, because then you feel more prepared or if you are just like overwhelmed, 
during the event, like go to the bathroom for five seconds, look at your list. <laughs> you need to go study. Give yeah. a refresher and be like, okay, like I am super prepared to handle this. And I feel like personally, it's been very helpful. Because I think sometimes when we're in certain situations and we aren't aware of how we may act or have insight as to what those upsetting things may be, we go in unprepared and then it's like, uh, 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 and then you end up, you know, oversharing or coming off in a way that is out of pocket for you just because someone threw you off. Yeah. I struggle with that concept too. I've thought of it both ways because my husband and I are very opposite personalities. I mean, we have like a lot of the same core beliefs, but we just come off different. And I am a preparer in that way. And he's more like, why are you preparing for the worst? We should be giving these people the benefit of the doubt. Right. So I struggle with like, if I do do that, like when they say this, I'm going to say this, does that mean I'm focusing on the negative or is that just my personality that like, I like to be prepared. So it's okay to do that. I think it is totally okay to do that because they're like, let's be real, right? Like there are some people in our lives that are so predictable. Like, you know, that's going to happen. I think it's an extra like, woohoo, like a win, right? If that doesn't happen, but like, Right. There are certain family members where I know they are definitely going to give unsolicited advice or just ask a question that is like beyond passing boundaries. I don't see a reason why it's not okay to be prepared for that. Okay. It's going to give you confidence. Like why not just do it? Right. If it helps you, then no judgment. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is a very specific question and I I've felt it before, so I'm really interested in what's at the core of this. All right, it's kind of a long one. When I'm at my in-laws, I feel almost like a shell of myself. I don't know if it's a connectivity issue or just anxiety or a trauma response to past experiences. I feel like I'm outside looking in, even like maybe my kids aren't my kids. I've always felt like they don't know or care to know who I really am. Any advice and why does this happen? We have the same in-laws because yes. I'm sitting here listening <laughs> to this and I'm like, wait a second. I have felt for the past 12 years, the exact same thing. Right. So I get what they're saying. It's this like, I'm not even really here feeling like maybe when you feel yeah. uncomfortable, you kind of like remove yourself from the situation. I don't know what it is. I don't have a therapy background, but I get what they're saying. So that's definitely dissociation. So I think with okay, like when something becomes very unbearable for us emotionally, our body does certain things to like protect us and almost like shut down because it's becoming overwhelming. And that's when you get to like the dissociation and the depersonalization. I think there's different ways that we can plant maybe little skills to make us more present in the moment. Good. Yeah. I've heard those. Those sound like fancy therapy terms. (laughs) I totally get that. Okay. So anything that can bring you into the present? Hard candy can help you feel like you're like you have that in your purse and like it can make you feel more present in the moment. Obviously we can't fix our in-laws. Right. Or even like connect to like your kids or connect to like the experience with being with people in general and like leave your in-laws out of it. Cause obviously if they're not trying to get to know the person that you are there, it's their loss. Right. 
So even just being present in the moment and saying, you know, here are my kids and they're having a good time and, you know, look at that little giggle or they really appreciated that I think brings us into the present moment. And then it kind of stops our wheelhouse from being like, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. Or I hate this. Why aren't they getting to know me? And just feeling like we don't belong because obviously you belong there. Your family is there. Your kids are there and don't give people that credit really too to like take that experience away from you because I mean what an awful feeling to feel like you don't belong yeah again like where you put the energy is where it's gonna go so if you can stop focusing on that and put it on something else maybe it will help exactly something simple as if anybody's heard of the five four three two one coping skill so that's a super easy thing to um Or even to like finding little things in the room, maybe like decorations or a quote on the wall that you can appreciate. So things that you can do to almost distract yourself from all of those insecure feelings and all of that negative energy to just, you know, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to bring myself back to the moment and, you know, live through this event until the next. Um, This one's a totally different direction. I suspect I have adult ADHD and I'm working on getting a diagnosis. I feel completely overwhelmed by the holidays, Thanksgiving, and then right after Christmas and like there's just too much to do. Any advice? Yes. I feel this way too all the time. And I think it goes back to planning things because people with ADHD function the best and are most successful when they have a routine and they have structure. So planning what you want to get done throughout the day. I explain this in a way to my clients that I feel like really resonates with them. We don't go on road trips without some type of a map, right? Whether that be a physical map, if anybody uses those anymore, or without like Google Maps, right? But you have something that's giving you direction. Otherwise, you're not going to get to your destination. So that calendar or just not even using a calendar, but like trying to plot things and plan things out is kind of like your roadmap through the holidays. I'm going to get this task done on Tuesday. I'm going to get this task done. I can fit this in. Oh, between this and this on Wednesday, because I also think that people with ADHD or just like people in general, right? I do this myself. I'm bad at estimating time. So I think that there isn't any time to get anything done when really there are five minutes to do this task or really there is, you know, time to run to the store in between here and there, almost like that time paralysis or task paralysis planning out really does help you feel like, oh, you know what? Um, I am going to do that. I'm going to do it at this time. Or, oh, wait, I might not have time to do it on this day, but like, let's see Friday morning. That, that would be a perfect time to do that task. And so just kind of like making little checkpoints or making little appointments here and there because we really do have more time than we think we do. And plus then that gives you kind of the check off the list, like, oh, I got something done. And then it gets you rolling. Yeah. Totally. I also like to do this instead of a checklist, really, I like to call it a bucket list of things that I could possibly get done. I think there's a shift in mind between checklist and bucket list. Bucket list is things we want to do, not in a checklist to me feels like things that we have to do. Okay. So I take the bucket list, I put down all the things, 
all of the things, right? And then I try to estimate the time that it's going to take. So running to Target, that may take 45 minutes or calling the insurance company. I don't know, something really basic. That would take this amount of time. So then you have things categorized by time. And it's like, what do I have the energy for? Do I have the energy right now for a five minute task? Okay. What are some five minute tasks on the bucket list? Do I have time to take on a big one, like a 45 minute or an hour task? All right. Where, what are some tasks that I have that could take an hour and really just paying attention to ourselves and what we have the time, space, and energy to handle in that moment, because our our energy in itself fluctuates day by day and hour by hour. So something that we thought was we were going to have time for, or we wanted to take on, you get later in the day and you're like, uh, you know what? I feel kind of burned out right now, but I do have time for a 10 minute task. I find with my kindergartner, <laughs> uh, he has some homework because he's half day. So so he's got some computer homework and stuff that he's got to do. And it's funny because if I'll bring it up, like when he really throws a fit about it, I'm like, are you mad? because you're tired or are you mad because you just don't want to do it? And it's funny, like sometimes if he naps, then he's like fine doing it. And I feel like it's the same when you're 40, like it doesn't matter. (laughs) Would this be easier tomorrow after I've slept or do I really have to do it right now? For sure. Maybe I need to throw a snack in there too, because I'm hangry. We don't know. Yeah. Um, On that same, this wasn't a question, but it's one I have. Um, So that person that had said that they are like working on finding if they have ADHD, if you suspect you have anxiety or depression, are there some quizzes, tests? Because my doctor actually gave me one that I filled out and I didn't realize there was like a a test you can take. Like what's the scale? Do you as a therapist verify any of those? Like how would somebody who feels like maybe they have this how I know ADHD is different. I feel like I have anxiety, but how do I know if I really have general anxiety disorder? Or how do I know that I have depression enough? Or is this just a hard season? Should I talk to someone? Shouldn't I? Like, are there any sort of things people can do to sort of give themselves an idea of, no, you need to look into it? Or I feel like people wonder. Yeah. So I always hesitate to give people recommendations on like a scale that quantifies your anxiety and depression, because regardless of any scale, it's like, oh, I did the uh, generalized anxiety test and it said I'm a two. Well, who's to say that's like, what does the two mean, right? If you're feeling anxious, you're feeling anxious. If you feel like you're feeling depressed, then you're feeling depressed. A scale, what does that just confirm it? Or I feel like that could either, I guess, validate you or invalidate you. Because what if you get low on the scale and you are having these really big feelings and you're like, well, the scale said I'm not, so I'm not. And I feel like that's not realistic, right? So I think even just like owning the fact that you feel that you are is more significant, I guess, than like any test that you could take. But if you are feeling those things, then yes, you can go see someone like a therapist to talk about it. But I'm a big believer on if you feel you're depressed, then you're depressed. And if you feel like you're anxious, then you're anxious. I think it's about seeking help and going to talk to someone to sort through what those emotions may be. So I think that's big too, because sometimes, you know, a clinician, like I'll talk to client as a clinician, I'll talk to clients and I'm like, 
it seems like you're depressed. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, am I? And I'm like, yeah, you explained to me like X, Y, and Z, you're feeling really tired or, and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was depression. Right. So I think sometimes maybe we're feeling all these feelings and obviously, you know, I have gone to school and have seen this and work with this all the time. But I think sometimes for like people out there, they don't necessarily even know that some of the symptoms are anxiety or are depression or are, you know, something that can be talked about or sorted out by meeting with someone. Any ideas for navigating the holidays with a recent loss in the immediate family, how to handle traditions, gatherings, things like that? That is such a hard one because grief looks a little bit different for everybody. And I think people are sometimes shocked at how they handle grief. Yeah. So I don't have just like a blanket answer for that one. I think you need to do what is right for you in knowing that the way somebody grieves may not be the way you grieve and not having any shame in that. Because grief is one where I find that people feel guilty, they feel shame, and they feel embarrassed for how they're handling their emotions when every emotion is right. Yeah. Right. So if you feel like you need to just stay home, that's totally okay. If you want to, you know, create a new tradition because that feels right to you, then that's totally okay too. And just keeping in mind that a big loss through the holiday season is so significant. Whether you're, it was, you know, seven months ago, or if it was last week, these are still maybe first or seconds, or who knows, maybe even like the 15th year that you're experiencing this grief or experiencing this loss. And it's okay. If this year you just need to either just sit out or, share your experience with that person. I know a lot of people like to talk about that person and talk about positive experiences that they may have had with that person. Um, But really you need to do what's workable for you and workable for your family as well. So I wish I had a, just like a coping skill or, you know, something where I could be like, do this because I feel like so many of my clients would benefit from that. But, you know, just grief is just one of those really tricky ones where you just have to like listen to yourself and say, okay, self, realistically, what do I need? How do I need to handle this? And then do that without any shame, without any guilt and just grieve. It'll pop up for you. Like you said, like you don't even know how you're going to handle it. That's a really tough part of grief too, because something will hit you and you're like, oh my God, I didn't expect that to hit me like that. I wasn't prepared for this emotion. So you don't even know where you're going with it, but accepting grief of others in just like whatever is they do and feel is still okay because everyone's going to do it differently. Grief is really hard, especially holidays, isn't that? It just like amps it up. Whatever you're feeling, the holidays just amp it up more. Yeah. So um, I have clients that are like, oh, I was listening to this song and I didn't know that I was going to just start bawling my eyes out. I was so surprised. Then I have other clients that come into my office and they're like, you know what the movie played? And I was totally cool. So I think it's one of those where you don't know how you're going to respond or what you're going to do until you're doing it, which kind of brings a little bit of fear and anxiety along with it, right? Because it's so unpredictable, but 
just reminding yourself that anything goes and any emotion is okay. And I'm okay to feel my feelings. And, you know, grief is grief. There's no way around it. Yeah. And it doesn't just go away and it's a magical year. No. What to say, this is a little more simplistic. What to say when there's pressure to stay with one family when you know you have to split your time? Parents, when they have to go here and then go here that same day. And when you have kids, I mean, that's a big pressure. What what can people do with that? Oof, that's so hard, right? Because everybody feels like their family is the most important one. <laughs> um, or even too, like running around from family to family can be exhausting for adults, but for kids too. So I think with that one, just setting your boundaries and expectations up very early to say, oh, we really want to spend time with you, but, you know, unfortunately we're going to have to leave at 1230, like, ha ha ha, you know, we have to fit everybody in. And so I think setting expectations up early instead of being like, oh my gosh, it's 1230. Now we have to leave and springing it on them, preparing people for, you know, unfortunately we have like four destinations that we have to get to today (laughs) and, you know, setting yourself up early rather than like, okay, we got to go. Let's hurry up. We got to make it to X, Y, and Z because that's exhausting. Yeah. Try not to do it if you don't have to, because that is exhausting, especially with kids, young kids to keep moving and driving, traveling, this and that. It's just, it's a lot if you have to do it. Like, oh my gosh, no. I always feel like it puts undue pressure on the host too. So like, remember, just because I've hosted a lot and I've been in that situation where you, you then you feel bad as the host. Oh, I didn't get this out and now you have to leave. Just don't put that pressure on your host either. Say, look, I have to leave at this time. It's totally okay if you don't have the turkey out or it's totally okay, you know, um, because people just, they have to juggle what they have to juggle. You can't be in charge of everybody's schedules. All right. Well, this is like a very general one that someone sent. Can you share what a healthy boundary looks like in these holiday situations? (laughs) Just an overall question on what a boundary is. It's a good one. It's so general that I'm like. I know it's so, it's hard to think of. Something I heard about boundaries once, I Elizabeth and I did several episodes on boundaries. I always kind of thought of a boundary as like a, nope, you can't cross here. This is where, this is my limit. And I've heard you should think of it as like a soccer field where this is where we play in between, right? So like, we're not going to go outside of these lines because that feels unsafe to play. But within this area is good for everyone. So it's not like a negative, like, nope, don't go there. Yeah, I think boundaries are hard because, you know, there's such a such a popular word now. Right, buzzword. In society, yes. And I hear a lot of people setting boundaries that are too hard where I'm okay. like, oh my gosh, like I appreciate that you set a boundary, but was that appropriate for the situation, right? So I think even just preparing and knowing what you want your boundaries to be because we set boundaries for ourselves. We don't set boundaries for other people because we're the ones at the end that are going to be benefiting from the boundaries, right? So sitting down and being like, okay, this is the situation that I'm going to be in. What am I willing to tolerate and what am I not? And what are some very little ways where I can kind of protect myself, right? So even saying something like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable and uh, talking about that subject right now in this situation. But I think people have 
come into sort of a, a questioning state with boundaries because it's so overused. Yes. Like everyone talks like boundaries, have your boundaries. Boundaries are so great. Everyone needs boundaries. All the books are about boundaries. And it's like, but wait, what are they really? And you do have to sort of make sure they're okay for the situation. Like you said about expectations. Yes. I think it's hard because sometimes when people think that they're setting boundaries, they're actually making a request. Oh. So to say, you know, I told them, I set a boundary. I told everybody to come over sometime after five. Well, that's not necessarily a boundary, right? You just made a request. So I think there's a fine line between those two is you know, because they kind of are similar requests seem boundary esque, but they're not necessarily a boundary. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's hard. It is hard. They are really similar. I would say a boundary versus a request where a boundary is more where you're just like protecting yourself. Right. So making a request and saying, you know, we're not going to have people over until after five that's not necessarily protecting you, is it? That's just saying what time people should be coming over because you're either cooking or preparing. But a boundary would be more something where you're saying that and putting that in place to protect your mental health. Okay. What do you find people are coming to you, not to ask you to violate HIPAA or anything, Uh but are you getting like the same type of questions or worries about holiday things in your office? Do you see the same type of struggles come in? And what are those like general struggles that you feel like everybody's shooting at you right now? Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel like we're all kind of going through something right now as even okay as the collective yeah so like mom like as we said earlier right mom's having this expectation to have the best holiday season totally you know I'm gonna go to my in-laws and uh, they're gonna ask x y and z and that's going to make me feel uncomfortable how do I prepare for that or um, I'm going to be having 30 people over at my house and I feel like my house needs to be you know, spotless and so clean. How do I plan for that? And why do I have this perfectionist expectation on me when everybody's house, you know, an object is out of place at at times. And I, I know that. So I do find that they're around this time. Some of our stressors are, are very similar, but it's interesting because we all feel like we're isolated and in our own little boat. So I feel like it's something where like people pretend like, oh, it's the holiday season and we talk about it, but we don't like actually talk about it to make us all as a whole understand that we're all very much going through something very similar. Yeah. Just like in kind of different ways. Yeah. Which is why I think it helps people to like hear a podcast like this or talk about it with their friends or kind of events after the events. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could have related to so many things that we've talked about, like expectations, the burnt out feelings, the in-law stuff. I mean, I think those are some very common things that we can all relate to. And I think it does help to, you know, have people listen to a podcast and be like, oh my gosh, me too. It makes you feel like you have a sense of community and that you're just like, it's not you. Yeah. A sense of community can be so big. Is there anything that you feel like I missed out on that you wanted to mention about the holidays or something that could help moms going through it? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. I appreciated the opportunity to come and talk. I hope, you know, 
I hope I made some sense. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love it because you are like so relatable and approachable and it's nothing's going to be answered on terms that no one understands. So thank you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I will hopefully see you soon and I can't wait to listen. Thanks. Thank you.